0: This is the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I'll be your host today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I appreciate all the feedback I've been getting recently about the show and uh, just to hear from all the different people that are listening and enjoying the content. So let's keep that up today. Today I am going to talk about uh, immobilizer anti-theft systems. I had a couple this week. So it's top of mind, and it is a topic that I think pretty important for a technician nowadays because odds are, in one way or another, regardless of what you work on, you're going to be running into anti-theft or immobilizer issues on vehicles. And obviously, when these systems act up, they can disable the entire vehicle. So it's got to be towed in. It's not going to start So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to cover some older vehicles. Now, I realize the vehicles I'm going to be talking about today, these systems are 10 plus years old. Uh, All the vehicles I'm talking about are roughly 10 years old. And I understand that a lot of the newer systems are more complex and more secure for the vehicles. But in the aftermarket world where I spend most of my time, these are the systems that we're seeing broken right now all the time. Okay, some of these newer systems, uh, such as the push-button start, uh, we are starting to see some issues with those in the aftermarket, but um, we're really seeing these 10-year-old or older vehicles really be broken all the time. Uh, You know, just age takes its toll, and we're working on these more often. So uh, these are the systems that I'm going to cover today. Uh, Again, a little slightly outdated on some of these, but... Uh, what I really wanted to talk about was the function of the systems, which you may be familiar with already on these anti-theft systems, but also the tools and a little bit of the diagnostic strategy that goes into diagnosing an anti-theft problem. Uh, The tools is really an important part to make it easy to diagnose these things. So we'll talk about some typical things that I would use uh, during these, uh, I mean, I'm hard to press to call these even case studies because a case study, to me, implies it's you know something uh, something interesting, something challenging. I can't say that these were really you know crazy out of you know out of control <laughs> diagnostics uh, that were really challenging, but you know I was called in to diagnoses, um, and they all related to anti theft. Uh, so let's start. I'm going to have three case studies: a Chevrolet a Ford, and a Chrysler. So we'll cover the big three. Uh, You'll see that there's actually a lot of similarity between these systems. I mean, in, in ways they are identical across the three brands. So the tools that we use and the techniques that we use, the understanding of the system, apply across the board. Uh, which is super nice if we work on multiple brands of vehicles we can take knowledge from one system and apply it to another but anyways let's get started on the first one uh, this is going to be a 2009 Chevrolet Hhr this was actually uh, one of the shops that I go to that I do some work programming and stuff for they had given my number to one of the techs and he was a I don't know a lube tech uh, younger tech just just starting out and his parents had an HHR which stopped starting okay this vehicle would not start anymore they had it towed to their house and he couldn't figure out what was going on with it Uh, he did know that the security light was blinking so he ends up calling me explaining who he was where he's from and said hey can you come out to my parents house and take a look at this HHR you know I, I did what I could, but I'm pretty limited at home to try to figure this thing out. Um, you know, they they're not looking to get it towed right now, uh, just you know, with everything that's going on. But anyways, I said sure, I'll I'll come look at it, and you know, you guys can pay me to come out there and take a look at it, maybe save you a tow bill. So, anyways, I go out there, and I'm again aware that the security light's blinking, and this is a start stall scenario, and you're gonna see this a lot in anti-theft issues where you go to hit the key and the engine will crank and it will actually start for a short period of time, maybe a second or two, and then it will immediately stall. Regardless of what you're doing with the throttle, it's going to go into a stall. And this is the anti-theft system activating and it is actually allowing the vehicle to start because you're rotating the lock cylinder. Um, All the ones I talk about today will actually have blade style keys with traditional lock cylinders. So we're rotating the key and that ignition switch is sending the signal to the rest of the system saying, hey, start the engine, let's fire injectors, fire coils. But in addition to that, there's some communication going on uh, between modules, which I'll explain, that Says yes, this vehicle is okay to continue running. And if the anti theft system activates, now we say no, this vehicle is not okay to continue running. After that, two seconds, the PCM kills injectors, generally, that's what it's going to do, and the engine shuts off. And in addition to that, the key giveaway here is you're going to have an anti theft light on the dash indicating something. It'll be flashing or it'll be on, depends on the maker model. Uh, This one was a red anti theft light and it was flashing at this point. So, let's talk about the system on this 2009 HHR because we want to understand the system before we jump into it. We want to know what's involved. And right away, like I said, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be an anti-theft issue. So, let's make sure we know how it works. What does the anti-theft system consist of? So, here's what there is. There is a theft deterrent module and this is actually pretty small. Sometimes when we think of a control module, we think of a big PCM. Uh, you know, this thing will fit in the palm of your hand. It's a smaller control module, but it is a control module. You can talk to it with the scan tool. And that is mounted directly under the ignition lock cylinder. Okay, so the, the lock cylinder is in the steering column, you know, just below where the steering wheel is on the side of the column. You put the blade key in, you rotate the ignition cylinder, start the vehicle. This deterrent module is mounted directly below that. Now, it's within the housing, the, the clamshell that goes around the steering column, the plastic housing, so you can't see it unless you take this cover off. But it's there, and then it has a ring that extends out from the module and actually wraps all the way around the outer portion of the lock cylinder. So we have a module, we have a ring that goes around the lock cylinder, and then we have a plug-in in the back. Now the purpose of this ring that is connected, it works with this theft deterrent module, is it's a, if you look at it visibly, you take the cover off the steering column, you'll see this ring. It's a plastic ring, but inside of it is a coil of wire that wraps around the outside of that ignition Uh, Housing. Uh, You know, I've never taken them apart. I I would guess it's at least hundreds of windings. Uh, It'd be interesting to see exactly how long it was. But think of if you've seen a relay coil or a solenoid where we coil that wire several, several times. It's insulated from itself. But what happens is, current actually sent through this coil of wire much like we do with lots of different coils of wires, like solenoids and ignition coils and relays and things like that. And much like those components, we create a magnetic field when we send current through that coil. And the purpose of this magnetic field, and again, there's no accident that this is around the ignition lock cylinder, the purpose of this magnetic field that's created when we send current through this coil of wire is to activate or to excite a transponder which is located in the head of the key that you used to start the vehicle. So if you take a look at the key, again it's a traditional blade style key, the head is going to be encased in some sort of plastic. In this case it's a black plastic with the Chevrolet logo on the side of it. Within that black plastic head is a transponder. So this transponder has no battery in it. Um, it but it's electronic component and it actually gets activated from the activation of this magnetic field and that is enough that magnetic field moving through the transponder excites it turns it on basically gives it enough of an electrical charge to send a signal out okay this is a transponder it sends a signal out to that theft deterrent module which again is in close proximity to the key and it's Connected to that uh, we call it a halo or some people call it an antenna But it's that coil of wire that's wrapped around the ignition cylinder and it's connected to that theft deterrent module and your key is right there so that key Once it excites, once it turns on from the activation of that magnetic field, is going to send its unique value to that theft deterrent module. So when they made that key and they put the transponder in the head of that key, it has a unique value that belongs just to that key. Now that unique value has been programmed into the theft deterrent module for that specific vehicle, or at least it should. And once that value goes, the the key gets activated. It sends that value to the theft deterrent module. The theft deterrent module checks its memory and says, okay, that value matches what I have. It actually goes through another process. If you read the service information, the theft deterrent module will, will then come up with a random number, which is defined as a challenge, and that sends it back to the key, all right, so there's actually some back and forth communication between the key and the theft deterrent module here. That key then performs a calculation, the transponder. So there's some stuff going on inside this key. It's not, you, you look at one of these keys and you wouldn't think so much is happening in the head of this thing, but uh, it's, it's kind of complex. So once it gets that challenge, it performs a calculation. And I don't know exactly how all that works, what the calculation is, but it comes up with a number, sends that back to the theft deterrent module. And the theft deterrent module also performs the same calculation on the challenge that it sent. And if those numbers match, and the unique value for the key matches, then the theft deterrent module is going to send a message to the PCM and the BCM, particularly the the engine control module. It's going to send a message to that to say, yes, it's okay, to start this vehicle or to continue to run this vehicle. Keep using those fuel injectors. Now, let's say you jammed a screwdriver in and you turn that lock cylinder. There would be no transponder activation. And the vehicle would start. It would crank. It would start. But that message would never get from that theft deterrent module. It, may, it actually sends a different message in that case saying that this is not a valid key or there's no key, and then you're going to get your anti-theft start where it is a start-stall scenario. All right, so again, just to recap that, we put our ignition key into the ignition. We rotate it. The theft deterrent module turns on our antenna or our halo, creates a magnetic field, activates the transponder in the, the head of the key, The key sends a message to the theft deterrent module, says, hey, I belong to this vehicle. theft deterrent module checks that out, says, yep, you do. But let me send you a challenge just to make sure. So then that key... Performs a calculation on the challenge, sends it back to the theft deterrent module. Theft deterrent module says, "Okay, i made the same. I did the same math. I came to the same conclusion you did." And then it sends the OK out into the network for the body control module and the engine control module to continue operating the engine. And you drive, and you don't realize any of that happened, um, if you're not aware of how the system works. But kind of complex uh, at a. Uh, At that level is to what's happening, but we can break it down into some simple components that we need to check for activation. You know, we're not performing these calculations ourselves. We're not uh, sending little signals back and forth. But if we understand how the system works, uh, they're pretty easy to diagnose. So let me talk about some of the tools that I use When I want to check things in the anti-theft system, if I suspect I have an anti-theft problem, what am I going to do? What are some really easy checks to make? Well, one of the easiest checks to make is just checking to see, does the key work the way it's supposed to? And there's a number of different tools that'll do this for you. I'm going to share the one that I use. Uh, This is the VVDI X-HORSE, and I'll put a link in the show notes for this tool I purchased this tool and it it's worked really well for my purposes I'll be honest I don't do a ton of locksmith work as far as creating keys uh, very far and few in between but the tool is still really good for doing some anti-theft work and I have the option to expand into making keys but the tools main purpose is to clone or create keys for vehicles um, as far as the transponder portion goes, it doesn't cut keys. But one of the features of the tools is it has a slot in the side of it where you, you can put a transponder key head into this slot and hit read, and it will read you out the data from this key. And that's great. And some of the time, the the key data doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. You can get the ID or the style of transponder. In some cases, that's useful. But Really what that does for me a lot of the time is just verifies that this key is functional, okay? If I put the key in the slot in this tool and I hit read for the transponder and it spits out some information for me, I know that that key is readable. And then if I put that key in the vehicle, the vehicle should be able to read that key as well. And so it's just a quick check because this thing fits in your pocket, this VVDI tool. And I put the key in there, I hit read, and within you know a couple seconds I have an answer. Can this key be read? Because it does the same thing as the halo around the ignition Cylinder does it creates a magnetic field, excites that chip, and the chip sends the signal to the VVDI tool instead of the theft deterrent module. So a real quick check, I do that on this vehicle in this HHR, and that the key reads. Basically, it, it shows me that there's data that we can pull from this key. Okay, awesome. Uh, you know, it has a ID value and everything. That's great. So the key, as far as I know, is working. So what's the next step? Well, the next step, and this is a extremely cheap tool that you can get off Amazon. Again, I'll post the link in the show notes. This is basically a LED that's connected to a round plate that you put it around where you insert the key. So imagine if you're looking at the lock cylinder, the part that you rotate when you put the key in, you'd put this small plate around the outside of that lock cylinder. And you don't have to pull anything apart. You can do this right over the plastic housing of the steering column. And then what you do is you hold it in place and this plate has a little LED on it. And then you turn the key and that LED should light. So the magnetic field that activates the transponder inside the key will also activate the LED in this plate. Again, this tool is like five bucks on Amazon. And again, another really quick check. So within a minute Of hopping into this vehicle, I can verify does the key read, and then I can put this up on the steering column, put the key in, rotate it to the on position, look for that LED, and I can say is my antenna or halo or whatever you'd like to call it activating? Am I generating a magnetic field for that key to operate? Because remember, these keys, these particular keys, don't have any batteries in them. If they don't get that, magnetic field creation to send their signal they're not going to do anything Um, in this case in this HHR that we're working on that LED does not light okay so my key is reading but I don't seem to have any uh, magnetic field be generating when I turn that key to the on position so uh, now that's leaning me towards the direction of this theft deterrent module what's going on with this thing so I connect Uh, my scan tool. I want to see, can I talk to this control module? And I'll I'll check the rest of the system for codes as well. But at this point, I want to go right for my theft deterrent module, because I know I can actually communicate with it on the network. And I looked at a diagram of this thing. It's super simple. There are two powers, a ground, and a communication line. So four wires for this thing. So I'm looking forward to this. I mean, that's an easy, easy check <laughs> to make if I got to go to the connector and start testing powers and grounds. I mean, four wires is pretty simple. Well, turns out I can talk to this theft deterrent module. So that's a good sign. That would mean at least I have some power and ground to it, maybe You know, maybe not enough, or maybe I'm missing one of the two powers. There's a constant and a switched power. But the data line should be good if I'm talking to it, I would imagine. I do have a code in this control module, though. In this theft deterrent module, I have a B3055. And the definition for this code says no transponder modulation or no transponder. And I look at the definition for that so no transponder modulation or no transponder, it says that the theft deterrent module was unable to measure an ignition key transponder value. So when we put that key in there and we rotated it forward, the theft deterrent module got nothing. Now, based on my initial checks where I read the key and it was readable, but when I checked for the magnetic field around that lock cylinder, there was nothing present. So that checks out. If there's no magnetic field, the key won't be activated. It won't send a signal. And this control module is going to say, hey, I recognized through the switched power that I was, I was activated. I was turned on. Because remember, the physical ignition switch is still turning on here. And we're sending our ignition power to this theft module. And it recognized that, but it saw no value from the key. So of course, it didn't allow starting because it doesn't see that value that it's looking for. All right, so what are we left with here? We got to check power, grounds, communication to this thing, which are probably going to be okay, but I pulled the cover off. Again, it's a four-wire connector. Check my two powers, good to go. You know, Make sure that you load them uh, so that they can carry enough amperage, but it wasn't an issue here. My ground checks out okay. My data line looks okay, and I could talk to it with a scan tool, so I wasn't too terribly worried about that. So it really brings it down to that theft control module. It's not creating a magnetic field. And so, okay, let's replace this and most of the time that's where I would end it especially with the shop, but since this was a individual and they were just you know, they were looking for some some help here, I, what I did is I actually pulled the module off of the lock cylinder and you can separate the two pieces of the module. So there's a plastic housing and you can actually take part of the plastic housing off. And a lot of the times if I'm re- replacing a control module or any component, I, I don't know why it, it is, but I've always just, I want to take them apart and see see if I can see what failed. It's just, even if I've already sold the job and it's a it's going to get a new one, I want to know how did the old one fail? What happened? What's going on inside of here? I've just, I've always done that as long as I've been in the automotive repair industry but i do that same thing here before we bother pricing out a new one and what i find is the wire that goes up to this coil so the module itself powers up this coil that creates a magnetic field the halo And again, it's just a coil of wire. It's a very thin insulated wire, but it comes from the bottom of this theft module and actually wraps around this plastic ring to create the coil. Well, the wire going up, there's two wires, there's in and out, but one of the wires going up from the module to the halo was actually broken. And so I looked at it and I'm like, well, that would definitely do it. If we don't have any continuity through that coil, we're not going to generate any magnetic field. So I talked to him and I said hey, you know, I got my uh, soldering gun in the back of my uh, vehicle. Do you want me to try and just see if I can fix this? I can't promise you anything, but this might be all it is. So uh, we popped a little bit of solder on there. It was not the easiest thing in the world to do because this is a pretty fine wire. But I managed to make it happen. Snap the plastic housing back together through the theft deterrent module back on there started it up and the vehicle ran and I had to clear some codes, but the anti-theft light was out. So that's all that was. And I, I told him, I was like, Hey, this might break again, but for now you're good to go. You can, you can uh, get back on the road. And they were pretty happy with that. So that was, uh, that was the first one again, just to help you understand the system. If you didn't already And a couple of the tools that I use, that uh, plastic ring that goes around to tell me do I have any activation from the halo from the antenna, and then also the VVDI that helps me determine whether the key is actually functioning or not. And actually another function on that VVDI tool that's really handy uh, that I didn't mention is... It also has a way to check the antenna for activation. Uh, It's a a function where it will beep if it detects that magnetic field. That's one way. Maybe you'd only have to buy one tool in that case, but again, that ring's only like... I think like four or five bucks. Uh, The VVDI tool is closer to 300. So, a little different cost, but the VVDI does have a lot more functions that I have not even tapped yet with key generation and remote generation. Um, The last function, though, that I use all the time on the VVDI tool is uh, it has a RF receiver so what I mean by that is for uh, remote keyless entry for the key fobs when you press the button. Um, this has a frequency detector where you can pull it up on this tool and it will show you okay I hit the button I see the response there. And A lot of these remote start systems that is a really handy feature to have uh, and I know other tools do that as well but again this tool is what I have with me uh, when I'm looking at anti-theft stuff or key fob, stuff like that. It's really handy to have. All right, on to our next one. This is a 2010 Ford Transit. Um, This kind of ended up not being an anti-theft issue um, in the end, is what I ended up finding. But kind of what I'm highlighting here are, again, some of the tools that we use. Uh, This is Maybe uh, maybe more of a tech tip for these particular vehicles, too. Um, but we also look at how some of these systems are really similar to each other. And actually, you'll see that across all three where there's not that much difference between the, the makes and models. But let's get into this one. So this is a 2010 Ford Transit. This was a no-crank scenario, and the security light was flashing on the dash, I was told by the shop that the customer informed them that they suspected this vehicle was broken into. Now this is a Ford Transit, and it was a, a fleet vehicle, and they, you know, they sit on the back of a of a lot somewhere for a business. And he had some other stuff that was broken into, and they suspected this one was broken into as well. And of course now it doesn't crank. So I have that in the back of my mind. I did a once-over visually and did not see any signs of tampering with the ignition lock cylinder with the steering column anything like that i didn't see anything visually but i'll keep in the back of my mind that okay there may have been somebody that broke into this thing and maybe tried to start it i I don't know yet um so again let's understand the system let's see what we're dealing with as far as anti-theft and if you read the service information on these transits um, there's actually a really important part up at the top of the service info, but I'm going to I'm gonna save that for after I describe <laughs> how this system works. But read all of the information. Make sure those notes that are on the top, Those it's not a warning, but it's just a like, hey, read this. This is important at the top of your service information when you go into description operation. That's important. But the system itself is very, very similar to the one we just described in GM. It is going to have that same style of module and a Halo that goes around the ignition lock cylinder. And this is again behind the plastic casing that's around the steering column. So in the same fashion, there's a transponder in the key, and you rotate the key, the signals go back and forth. It might happen a little bit differently than it does in a general motor, but that magnetic field's the same idea. The transponder in the key head is the same idea, and it allows the vehicle to run. Now again, this was a no-crank, so it's a little bit different, but you know, between makes and model, maybe things are different. I don't know if this one would end up with it in a start stall scenario, but um, The security light is blinking when I try to start this thing that much I know So again, let's do our quick checks here And one of the quick checks is I check that key in the vvdi tool now, This is where it was kind of interesting because I read this key and it actually came up as a transponder key For this transit. Okay, so as far as I know this key should be readable by this system now again i take my little plastic ring with the led on it i throw it over that lock cylinder around the lock cylinder i rotate the key i get no light very similar to that hhr problem okay all right so this was a couple days after and i'm like i've been down this road before let's let's continue on and see what's going on with this thing but i do want to bring up that note that i mentioned at the top of the service information, when you go into description and operation for anti-theft on these Ford Transits, it says that PATS, or Passive Anti-Theft System, which is the system we're talking about, that's Ford's designation for it, PATS was an option for this year of Ford Transit. And I've run into this before as well, where they will actually have a PATS key. And what I mean by PATS key is a transponder key that is readable in my tool that reads that, that chip inside of there but it's not actually equipped on the vehicle. And I verified this. I looked up, there's a hole where the tilt is in the steering column casing, and you can actually see where the theft deterrent module would be, that halo would be, but there's nothing there. There's a connector, but it's not there. This was an option that you had to order from the dealer. So your Ford Transit might not have this style of anti-theft, but it might also have this style of anti-theft, you're going to have to figure out what you have. And again, they have the plugin, but it had to be set up from the dealer as an option, as a package. So a lot of these didn't have them, even though they had a transponder style key that can be read by your tools. So don't be fooled by this. And that was something I'm glad that I read that in the service information. So I'm aware that, okay, this doesn't actually have that anti- theft system. Even though it's an option on this vehicle, and this one didn't. So now I go back to why is my anti theft light blinking? What's going on there? Because there definitely is an anti theft light on the dash. Uh, there is, however, no apparent anti theft system in order to disable it from starting. So let's go to scanner. Let's see what's happening with this thing. I hook up to it, and I have codes in multiple modules. uh, Some of them communication codes, but the important module that I cannot talk to is the powertrain control module. Okay, all right. Well, that's leading me uh, in the right direction there because we're not going to start the engine if we have no comms to the PCM. So. uh, go through some checks. I check the fuses. Everything seems to be good there. I go right to the PCM. It's out front in front of the battery, easy to get to, and do a quick check of powers and grounds. They're all on one connector, on the top connector, real nice and easy for me. Uh, always got to like it when it's smooth, and I have all my powers and grounds to it, at least that I can, uh, I, I can see on this connector, but I did notice one thing. On the two main power feeds on this connector, the female terminals were actually spread out quite a bit. So I reached in with a pick and I bent the terminals back in. I plug this connector back in place, the powers and ground feeds for the PCM. And I go to hit the key and I can hear, you know, fuel pump activation, electric throttle operation. And I'm like, okay, here we go. I hit the key and it started. All right. So we had a, we had some loose pin connections at the PCM. I don't think that this vehicle had any tampering done to it. I think this just was a broken vehicle that happened to be at the same time. Anyways, um, you know, recommend to the shop that maybe replace those pins and those connectors or do something to verify that there'll be a better continuity in the future. But that's where the problem was. But back to my original question is... Why was the anti-theft light blinking? Well, if you read in service information, it actually explains this as well. And this is why it's so important to read your service info because it tells you all this stuff. You know, sometimes we're so lost and we, we don't bother reading. If you read this stuff, man, it, it tells you everything that you need to know. And it actually says that even without a PAT system, without that module around the ignition uh, lock cylinder that the instrument cluster and PCM are still going to work together in order to start this vehicle and if one of those is replaced damaged missing wrong um, there's going to be that indicator on the instrument cluster it needs to see that PCM and if you replace one of those even without a PAT system you still have to do a parameter reset which I believe on those is done through the instrument cluster. And don't forget about that parameter reset in Fords that do have the PAT system. A lot of times if you're replacing like a PCM or another control module, you can just do a parameter reset after a module replacement. And a lot of times that will save you uh, from having to have two keys uh, for the initialization procedure. But anyways... That was that one. It really didn't end up being an anti-theft issue, but it was sort of interesting how that system worked. There was a blinking anti-theft light when, I mean, really, truly, we don't have an anti-theft system on that vehicle. All right, on to the third and final one. We're going to move over to the Mopar side of things. This is a 2010 Dodge Avenger. The shop called me because they wanted me to replace the WCM or also known as a SCREAM module. And SCREAM stands for Sentry Key Remote, that's R-E, they put into the acronym, Entry Key System. So Sentry Key Remote Entry System. And what this is, once again, is a control module that is in close proximity to that ignition lock cylinder and it has a halo that goes around the outside of the lock cylinder so once again works very very similar has a blade key again and these are these keys actually have the um, key fob built into the head of the key there's a battery in there for the key fob functions but there's also that transponder chip so the battery dies for the remote remote Uh, keyless entry functions, that chip will still function to start the vehicle. So kind of two different components in the one key there. But when you turn that key, the exciter ring comes on, activates that chip inside the the transponder in the head of the key, sends its signal out, and then that scream module, or they also call it a WCM, will send a signal out Onto the data network to say yes it's okay to continue to run this vehicle and they just wanted me to replace this module but there's a little bit that has to be done He can't just plug in one of these modules and go and the point of this one this isn't much this really isn't a diagnosis at all this was just going in and doing some programming I wanted to share the tool that I was using because it's been very very helpful for doing these sort of things So when you replace these WCMs or uh, win modules on some of the Chryslers, it depends on the year and the style of anti-theft that you're working on, but around this year range, what you needed was a four-digit pin that is unique to that vehicle. You need this uh, for actually a lot of different functions, uh, replacing PCMs, um, modules that have to do with the anti-theft, these WCM Uh, modules the screen modules it's the same thing they call it two different things in order to perform the functions after you replace one of these uh, like programming keys or just initializing the module you're going to need this four digit pin Uh, now you used to be able to get this from the dealer and I don't think that's the case anymore because the dealers only have so many codes that they can give out now and they don't want to be giving them out to free uh, for free to people that are just calling and so it depends on the dealership you're working with you need to provide proof of ownership so anyways to get this pin traditionally speaking you'd need your lsid or vehicle security professional which i do have and you use the nastiff website Um, And you would actually, well, you're going to use the NASDAQ website to get your LSID and to fill out the D1 forms, but you're going to use a page, a link through the Tech Authority website to go in and use your NASDAQ login information in order to obtain this PIN code. That's one way you can do that, and you need owner authorization and everything like that. Well, for some of these older Chryslers, there was another way. There's probably multiple ways you can get this pin, but the way uh, that I've been using uh, to try to you know, kind of speed things up is the Autel IM series, and I have the IM508. And for Can Chrysler vehicles up to, I think, around 2015 or so, they changed it to a rolling code. But for Can Chrysler vehicles, and this one fell within that year range of 2010, this tool will actually pull that four-digit pin for you. So, there's again, there's other tools that will do this as well. The OBD-STAR OBD uh, will actually do this as well, but the Autel does a really good job. You can go in, you can pull this four-digit PIN, and it belongs to that vehicle. And then once you have that PIN number, you can go in, select WCM or SCREAM REPLACED. you need the PIN in order to do that. It will initialize that module, and then you can go in, and you can program all the keys that you want to it. So you would program a key, Uh, that belongs to that vehicle. And again, you need to enter the pin and you can do as many keys as you need to. And it also programs the key fob functions at the same time that you're programming the key. Uh, So it's nice and simple there. But again, that's what I did and we got it together and it worked great. Again, nothing special there as far as uh, diagnosis. I just wanted to share the tool, the IM508. And again, I'll put a link to that. That thing's got a ton of immobilizer capabilities, again, that I've only just barely scratched the surface on as far as, uh, you know, programming keys, cloning keys, uh, all sorts of locksmith style functions, Uh, but it has been, it has been really awesome for me. I've used it for some, uh, Nissan stuff as well and been really impressed with the abilities that it has, you know, for the cost that you pay. And none of this is meant to circumvent the legitimate way to do it. That's definitely uh, not my, my goal at all. I do have my, uh, VSP and, uh, you know, use that where it is required, but some of this stuff can save you some, some serious time, um, and, you know, possibly save the customer a little bit of uh, money as well. So um, that's it for this episode. Hopefully you picked something up from this. You learned something about the anti-theft systems on some older vehicles. And uh, maybe in the future we'll do one on some newer vehicles. Of course, I've got to get a little bit more experience on those myself before I can start talking about them. So anyways, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. And hey, if You're listening this far. Uh, Hopefully you're enjoying everything. Uh, If you wouldn't mind doing me a favor and uh, going on to the uh, reviews, ratings section on the podcast. I know Apple Podcast has uh, ratings and uh, throw me up a review or rating. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Let me know your thoughts, what you think about the podcast. Uh, That would be awesome. But other than that, we're going to wrap this one up. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hopefully we see you again soon.